0: The gates went green for gates and it was like the start of the marathon yeah running in they all just sitting there all basically went to the the prime areas mainly the lake and queued up to get their weekend sorted yeah and then within about an hour we had queues like three main queues of about three hours long Mm. and then this narrative that everything was fully booked yeah everything wasn't fully booked people were really 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 cross and at this point i'm thinking right red or black my life on this gig mm. we've got it open like, against all the odds like we planned through covid we've launched during lockdown here we are and now we've got a problem it was it was crazy you know and like, mothers like sc- like screaming
1: at me Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 40 million views. After 14 years in the Royal Marines... Olly Mason found himself going from throwing beer festivals in a town hall to creating a fully formed family festival with none other than Bear grills. For a load of hard graft and a little bit of naivety, Ollie managed to secure a six-figure sponsorship deal in year one and the Gone Wild Festival was born. The story of the festival is filled with huge challenges, big mistakes and massive wins. It's a fantastic example of the risks and rewards of the events industry. This is the eventful life of Mr Oliver Mason. Ollie, welcome to the show, mate. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, very much looking forward to this one. This is a good one. This is right up our street. So, I want to look, just roll back the years, and I want to know where you grew up, and how did you get into becoming a festival owner? Well, I'm
0: from Norfolk. Um, had a really good childhood living in North Norfolk um, with my mum and stepdad on their farm, and then I sort of went to college, and I was like, well, I want to start playing rugby in one of the one of the academies. Didn't work out obviously and then i basically kicked around for a couple of years and i was i didn't get in trouble but i weren't really going anywhere mm. and then um my dad was in the raf and he sort of put a, a fairly big arm around me and said that you need to join the military so you know you're wasting your life you've got a lot of potential but at the moment you know you are you, you, just wasting it mm. and um my mum was also like yeah you, you've got to do that everything about you fits the military. So I looked at the options and I saw the Royal Marines. And the reason why I went down that pathway is because at the time it said 99.9%, 99.9% of people need not apply. And I was like, oh, I fancy some of that because that looks like a real challenge. The hardest course in the world. The more research I did, the more I thought... And that really suits me," So I took myself off down to the careers office, age twenty-one, walked in, spoke to the uh, the marine behind the you know, behind the desk there, and instantly got on with him. I was like, "Yeah, this is where I need to go." And then, um, to be honest, that from that point on, I I, ne- I never looked back, and I had fourteen like amazing years with amazing people, went all over the world played sport, went on operational tours, loved it. And my social circle now, um, everything about my life is still heavily heavily influenced by the Marines. And I would say to anyone that was considering joining the military, that's a great pathway to go down. Mm. And uh,
1: highly, highly recommend Mm. it. So you spent 14 years in the Marines? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, great times. Yeah, I'm sure. So when you say 14 years in the Marines, did you go off
0: to war? Yeah, I did. So I, I, sort of also had a bit of an unconventional path in the Marines. Like I joined as a recruit and did a couple of years um, as a recruit, which is like Marine level, or for those who don't know, like private in the army. And then I, um, then basically got told that I should maybe consider officer training. Yeah. So I went and then did officer selection and went back into officer training. And what that actually means is. I had to go and do the whole lot again from day one, week one, but with the uh, uh, the young officer batch. And I really, really loved that. Great blokes. And the people that I went through officer training with were all ushers at my wedding. Brilliant. So, yeah, oh, mate. Oh, amazing. They cost me my damage deposit. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't beat that camaraderie, right? No, I
0: mate, mean, that 15 yeah. months. I look back in yeah. the time of the Marines. I'm, I did do a couple of operational tours, but that 15 months going through young officer training, it
1: was like the fondest time, no great. How player. old were you when you were doing that? A bit older, so I was 25. Okay, and why Why did you choose to become an officer? And what does it actually mean in Marines of being an officer? So I didn't really choose. Um, so I was,
0: you know, I was a mar- Marine, so you sort of have all your different pathways. You can go and learn how to become a mortarman, or you can go, oh, down. what? so eh? Mortarman's like the guys that drop bombs on people, Yeah. um there's loads of different specializations okay. you can do, like broad, really yeah. broad. Um, and I think because I was a bit older, because I played a bit of rugby and stuff, and I was a bit matured and some of the other lads, yeah. like, I don't know. And then they like, maybe you should consider going on to the uh, officer batch. I um, think it could suit you. So I went and did the selection, and then I went and did you know, officer training Passed.
1: Is that, that tough? Is the selection yeah. tough?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Give me an example we had to do. There's this thing called Black Tuesday. It's pretty black, like a dark and you go onto the bottom field and you go on there with a PTI for three hours. It's a tough three hours and you sort of run back in. Because it's officer selection, there's, an, there, there's a bit of academic process to it as well. So you run back in, you're like, wolf down this past to lunch. Then have to go and give a presentation on, I can't remember what mine was, but some sort of, presentation to show that you can conduct yourself and hold yourself like when you're tired. And then you go up onto Woodbury Common for another three or four hours
1: that that, that day of just like, uh, yeah, it's it's hard. Being you know? punished, basically. Push, you're pushing boundaries.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the whole purpose of the day, uh, it's not a case of, you know, passing the test and things like that. It's a determination day. Mm. And it's just a case of sticking with it. And I was... And I was really lucky because I'd been a marine before. I sort of, I, I, I semi knew the gig, mm. but even though I knew it, it was still really hard. Mm. like Really hard. And then uh, after that day, you then come back in, and twenty minutes ago, you know, your lungs are on fire, being sick because you're so exhausted. You have to run back in, get into your jacket and tie. Then you're having some sort of like academic debate over tea and scones in the officer's mess, and <laughs> wow. Mm. This is surreal process. But yeah. anyway, I was lucky I um, got selected to join the batch and then 15 months of training, like really hard, but you know, get loved it. Passed out as a young second lieutenant then went into, um, you know, joined Forty Commando in Taunton, which is a... Forty Commando. Yeah, yeah wow. which is um, yeah. a fighting commando unit. Yeah, and just had a really great time. But what you go, the troop commander is basically a really junior manager and you have a, a troop sergeant Know there is your mentor who he's subordinate to you, but he comes with many, many years' experience, all even though you make the decisions. that you know, he's there to put that firm arm on your shoulder and say, Are you sure about that? Yeah. yeah, so that relationship is really key. It's actually understanding that relationship has set me up well for life and festivals yeah. because, yeah. as you know, there's lots of people in the festival world, especially in the production world, they've got a deep, deep knowledge. Yeah. And when you stand there as a promoter and you're about to make a decision, yeah. they'll look at you and go, are you, are you, you sure? sure? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure about that? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, their advice, although is really sound, you might not agree with it. And then yeah. you, but at least they've, they've informed you, right? Yeah. And, and I and found that it's probably one of my best lessons actually, or, that the military has given me to then help me in run in later life in business and festivals Defin- and events. Definitely agree. Festival, Yeah,
1: agree. Um, There's a lot of synergy in between what you're doing there and in, in leadership and in sport and in business. And I've transferred my skills from sport and captaining teams or whatever into business. And they're very similar.
0: Yeah, no, definitely very and similar. And at some point, you know, you have to stand up and make a difficult decision, yeah. and you can be and you can be stood there and half the half the. In, in the festival world, um, half the people around the fire in the evening yeah. just don't agree with it. Mm. But, you know, that's that's your job. And if you have to, you know, to, A, to convince them that it's the right thing to do and then get them to do it to the, the, the right standard. Mm. And as long as you can explain your rationale, your reasons, and you're not a dick, mm. most people
1: you know, will gener- generally follow you and, yeah. and get get behind it. Yeah. What did you find when you were in the Royal Marines, you were in there, what, 14 years? Yeah. What's the biggest salary you can be on in the Royal Marines? Oh, like you can get, you can climb, you
0: you can earn a real comfortable living. You know, I I left on high 40s, but, and that might not sound a lot really for the time I was in, but what people don't consider is all the add-ons, free gym, free dental, Free medical pension contribution, subsidized housing all those things add up to a package that yeah. far far exceeds you know that high forties um you know salary yeah. you know, you're probably gusting high seventies yeah, early eighties when, say, when yeah. you lump it all together, but I've got mates that have you know jump you no know, that' stuck with it they're earning early seventies you know high seventies now mm. and the real good ones will go on to earn. Six figures, yeah, and then but again, you might think six figures after what 25 30 years graft, it's, mm. it's not that because the, the pensions, yeah, even better. There's and, lots of perks in there, so many perks. And like when I left, and I three months later I had to go down to the GP surgery, I had to pay nine quid for a prescription,
1: <laughs> liberties. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. So when was it? So when was it in your head? You were there, 14. When was it in your head when you were thinking, right? I want to leave the Marines. I'm on uh, late 40s. I've got a great package. I'm around with my, my mates all day long. Free food, lots of perks. What was the point? When you're going right. I want to become a festival owner. That sort of didn't
0: come conventionally, and I didn't. And I was never sat there going, I want to be an events owner. I, um, I was living in. I was based in North Devon, Chivna um super super cool part of the world you know, big on tourism big on surfing not that i'm a surfer by the way not that cool but um just really really lovely and i was sat in a pub with my mate in this little cool little village called croyd like really, really lovely, lovely. I love yeah that's oh, awesome lovely yeah always busy rammed in the summer yeah like, what is this place missing and i said has croyd got a beer festival like, we just must have a quick bit of google croyd hasn't got a beer festival uh, well, as now, and um, so
1: this was 2014. Yeah, 2014. So you were still in the, still in yeah, the, yeah,
0: still in the Marines. Um, Wait, what year did you leave the Marines? 2019.
1: Okay, so this was five years. You you had a little something in your mind to actually yeah. do on the side.
0: Yeah, new, newly married, um, like me and my missus living the dream yeah. in North Devon, no kids, subsidised out housing, yeah. it was, <clears throat> we had the best time. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, right, okay. This is in May, right? So Croydon well, Croyd hasn't got a beer festival. Right, Right now it has. Okay, where are we going to do it? Well, the village hall there in the center of the village is perfect. And we like, sat in the pub, rung up the person doing the bookings. And so we've, got, we've actually had a cancellation in August, so like not long away. So, right, we're booking it for the Croyd Beer Festival. I what's that? So well, it was the newest beer festival in Croyd. It's yep. going to be mega. And that was like our, in, our introduction to events, absolutely clueless. You know, I'd worked in pubs before, mm. and you had to tap a barrel, mm. but I didn't know how to run a beer festival, didn't know how to you know, well, book bands, mm. get them actually onto the stage with the right um, tech and production.
1: Um, didn't did know that- how to promote, didn't know how to sell tickets. Nah. No. Didn't know how to book DJ, did about security, lighting, sound. Well, of I knew about it. Mm. I like,
0: knew it all needs to but be did, there.
1: Yeah. Um, how much did it cost you uh, rent for oh,
0: that venue? Like 250
1: quid,
0: 300 quid. For it one was, whole day? No, two days. Two whole days. But the problem was <laughs> is that they had a craft fair in there the day before yeah. and they had a party in there the day after. So we couldn't set up until uh, after the yeah. craft fair had finished. And that place had to be immaculate for nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. What
1: well, the day? The two days after yours. Yeah. So the we day went, after yours, Yeah. Right?
0: So we went in Friday, Saturday.
1: Yeah. And then done your two days, and then that to have it all tidy for nine a.m. the following day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. What did you learn from that?
0: Oh, so much! Like mm. everything from stock management, mm. um, to understanding. This is we didn't have, we didn't use card machine then. We just mm. everything was cash. So like flow of cash on the day, um, the fact that you need a a bit, uh, some sort of crew or team to help deliver these things. Now, it's so funny, like at one point we run out of cash, Mm. right? As in like pound coins. Mm. So my stepdad has run out the village hall and flagged the bus down.
1: (laughs) Get a load of pound coins.
0: (laughs) Nicked all the pound coins off the bus driver. But it was, for that week, you know, promoting that event, did you enjoy it? Yeah, loved it. There I was, uh, without sounding like a snob, You know, with two Royal Marines officers. And yeah. there we are, the week of the event, with a backpack full of flyers, yeah. like walking around the campsites. Every, every car we saw in the car park yeah. got a flyer, like 10, 20,000 of them. Like there wasn't a person or a car mm. or a letterbox that was mm. safe. Good for you. Um, just did like the hard yards, just pounded it out. And then all the beer turned up. On the, on the Thursday, the craft fair's in, and I'm like, well, actually, beer needs eight hours to settle. And like, well, this is going to be pretty tight before it opens. Yeah. My my wife's got this photo of us racking this beer, tapping him, and because we haven't let it actually settle in the stillage, it's all pretty lively. So the
1: beer's like shooting out, so- hitting the roof, <laughs> there's beer everywhere. Like we're yeah. trashing the hall before we've even started. Yeah. What were you thinking? Was there any competition around then? Was there anyone you going? Oh God, yeah! If they've got, if they're doing well, we can do it better than them. Was there anything around that time? Not a
0: beer festival like that. I mean, it's a bit. It's a bit. If you stripped it right back, it's a village beer festival, yeah. right? But because it's in Croyd, it all all of a sudden becomes elevated. Yeah. And then um, you've got like three or four really cool pubs and restaurants like next to it. Mm. They all had live music on that weekend. Uh, and we didn't. We weren't selling
1: tickets beforehand. Like this was just Facebook page. Turn up on the day and pay.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: How much a ticket?
0: Uh, three quid to come in or something yeah. like that. Did you
1: have a capacity or was it all outside as well? For <sighs> oh, didn't matter. Pile them the, in. Yeah, the, the vaseline the door frame, squeeze yeah, them in.
0: The the, the, the clicker <laughs> broke. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but I it was know like, that one. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was, yeah. It was um. <laughs> I w- I, it's one of my big regrets is that we didn't film it or get better photos because yeah. of where it was almost. Because of where the village hall is in the centre of it's on the junction, uh, we pretty much shut down the village. It was mm. like Project X, like the amount of people that mm. that were actually there in the car park. Mm. Like we had bands in the like in the back, like garden of the village hall. That was Pat. Then the car park next to the village hall was like fifteen deep people watching the bands. Mm. You couldn't get in the village hall. You couldn't out the front, there must have been five or six hundred people. The village shop sold out of beer. Every pub on that strip Good for you. was rammed.
1: See, when you when you find a little gap in the market like that and you promote your backside off, because I've done this for 20 or five years, millions of flyers to hand in front of everything, everyone through people's doors, back pockets, cars, windows, just been getting it out there. You had a little niche in the market there because you had your marines you could tap into and people on campus, which is an absolute godsend. To get that amount of people there, what set you off to go... Why am I staying in the Marines? I could actually run a business. I run my own business and be an entrepreneur here. There must have been was that, was that the point when it really set it off? But it sort of definitely lit you know, the, the spark. You know, was lit,
0: um, and then after that, like we sat down with the village owners. So that was mega. You no, know, we loved it, but that could never happen here again.
1: That was, <laughs> That's what they said. Yeah. For uh, what what reasons they, they give? They just
0: said that. that, that too was, many, too many people. Too many people. Yeah. That was everyone
1: getting larrapped. Uh, that was
0: ridiculous. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Cars couldn't get through. Um,
1: Love it. Yeah.
0: That was meant, and um, brilliant, well done. But. Not here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go up. So there's a beautiful field overlooking the beach. So we went up there. What, uh, year
1: two you went up there? Yeah. Okay. You know,
0: very similar concept, but this time I had more expense. I had a of tent. Course. I had a tent. I had to bring yeah. generators up. How much
1: did that first event cost you roughly, if you can remember? Ah, oh, like eight, eight to ten grand. Ten Gs. And what did your second year event cost you roughly? Like when tw- you had to go into a field and a tent and everything else, toilets and like twenty five thirty. Okay, there you go. So it's get, tripled. Get, yeah, yeah, it gets up there, but it then, starts creeping, doesn't it?
0: But then we like you know fifteen quid on the door. Yeah, okay. Um, but at this point, I was so like super naive. Yeah, I was like,
1: oh, went really. How old were you at this point? This twenty point, fifteen, say. Yeah,
0: thirty two, thirty three. Okay, but that's all. And I was, then we, me and my mate again, did this. Um, Tribute Music Festival, which
1: is actually really good. What, in 2015 or 16? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we did first beer festival in yeah, 2014. Yeah. And then we had this idea. It wasn't an idea. We nicked the idea and almost got sued for nicking the idea. Of who? He probably he probably doesn't actually know who I am until now. But there's this touring tribute festival.
1: Called? Fake festival. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that in fact. Okay, yeah. Hugely successful. Yeah.
0: Really, really... The, The guy's done really, I love the name,
1: yeah. That's balls in it, like, right, we're gonna call it fake festival, yeah. And what was their concept, their business concept? Marquee, yeah,
0: local bands, yeah, and then at the end of the night, well, about five o'clock, free tribute bands, so like
1: an Oasis or something, exactly that, okay, but
0: not like all due respect
1: to like your.
0: Abba's and things yeah. like that. So it's like proper bands that you could have a jump around yeah. and a sing around to. Oasis, Stereophonics, Arctic Monkeys, yeah. It's Kasabian. Yeah. And I, I, I went to one in Newcastle. And I was like, "This is pretty decent." Because yeah. I paid, I paid twenty quid to come in. I can get a quick drink. Yeah. No queue for the toilet, and I'm watching some half decent music here, yeah. and I'm having a really good day with my mates, yeah. and it's easy. We we walk there, walk back. It's cost us twenty quid and we haven't been ripped off. Yeah. And that was win win. That was that was good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and the bloke was franchising them out. Okay. So Where's he from? No
1: idea. Oh, okay. No. How many did he have in the country? 30, 40. Yeah, thirty or forty. It wasn't like a outdoor festival. It was, was it? Or was it just like one big marquee? he has got a marquee stage. it's super
0: slick yeah. what he's done. He's got a massive marquee. Yep. Yeah. Like clear span and like that can be chopped depending on how many tickets yeah. are sold. Everything in the back of a Luton van yeah. turns up on the Thursday, rolls out, bar at one end, stage at the other, yeah. Harris out the back for a food court, yeah. and then you come in one side. Like, it is
1: yeah. super a slick.
0: pop-up festival, isn't it? Yeah. It's awesome. Like, really cool. Yeah. And anyway, we, me and my mate thought about buying the franchise. Who's your mate? What's his name? His name's Will. He did the first beer festival with me. Okay. And then we basically looked at it and was like, oh, we can
1: just do this. Ourselves. How much did they want for the franchise? Roughly.
0: Eight eight or ten grand. So they wanted
1: ten bags. They wanted ten grand for you to say we're gonna call it Fake Festival and then they'll bring it everything for you and you sell the tickets and earn the money. Who yeah. takes the bar money?
0: So they take they took a cut of the bar, they took a cut of the ticket as well.
1: And they charge you ten grand. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we were then we were like yeah. oh, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do this ourselves. Yeah. But at this point we've gone quite a long day a long way down the road of them i.e. we learned exactly how to do it. Yeah. Um, Everything from size of generators, technical production, like bar taps. Well, we're naughty at this point. And um, then we couldn't come up with a name. Um, We were like, we obviously can't call it Fake Festival, and we bounded around. And then someone said, why don't you call it Forged Festival? (laughs) And in our wisdom at the time, we thought that was a mega idea. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, okay, let fine, forged festival. Let's yeah. go. And we got um my mate's cousin to knock up a really cool promo video. I was playing rugby at the rugby club. <clears throat> we went down, spoke to them, said Look, we've got this idea, can we do it? And they said, Yeah, you can. Go out on the second team pitch. It's fine. And then then we launched it and off we went. And we thought like we were golden. Like and uh, we started selling tickets. Uh, okay, we're um, we're onto something here. We put and we uh, we copied it. Like we mm. had local bands in the day, and then we had free tribute bands in the evening. And uh, went out, cut a deal with the local uh, brewery, uh, and again, just you know, had a few Facebook ads, and just hammered the area with posters and flyers. And where's this in Barnstable? Where's that Devon, North Devon? North Devon. Okay. Yeah. And again just grafted and grafted um promoting and promoting and promoting and um you know at this point this is a big step up now in terms of not in festival world but Mm. for us Mm. you know we've gone from a village hall Mm. to now big you know festival marquee Mm. um and everything that comes with it at this point now we're we're on the hook here for you know,
1: a, a good chunk of cash. How much?
0: 30, forty grand. Okay,
1: of your own money. Yeah. Yeah. You the, and your mate will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: And if this if this goes wrong, yeah, then uh, I'm I'm newly married. That's going to sting. Yeah. You know, he's you know, relatively young. That's twenty grand out of your savings. That's yeah. gonna that's yeah. gonna hurt. And um, it gets like the week before. And it's like, mm, we're, we're, we're short and we're short by quite a long way.
1: What like, of pre-sale tickets? Yeah, yeah. Were people buying online back then?
0: Yeah. We were running it through the local theatre.
1: Okay. Oh, but, so people were ringing Okay. I got it. Yeah.
0: But we weren't, we weren't, um, we didn't we have no real knowledge of paid targeted digital advertising, yeah. um, database collection. Like we weren't doing any of that. Mm. Um, Cause we just felt, it's like, it's a local event. Let's just get this in front of people and eventually they'll come. And like, uh, my missus used to hate it. Cause I, she used to like see me in a car park with his backpack, just walking around. <laughs> She's like, just shamelessly, yeah. like every like, hospital car park, like yeah. a- anywhere where yeah. there was people, I'd be in any spare moment They like play rugby for, for Barnstable. And before the game, I'd go do the car park. Yeah. And then I'd get like a couple of the ball boys Give them a fiver. Like run up that street and do mm. every car. Mm. Um, yeah, and then so the, the week of the festival, I so like, we are short, and we are short by some way. And even if we get another 100, 200 people here, like this is this is gonna sting. If we get get another two hundred people here and they all drink twenty five pints, like we're still gonna lose,
1: which yeah. they're not. They drink they're, five they're, yeah. they're not so you on to a lose we're on to a yeah. lose what happened in that final week
0: the weather forecast came out yeah and then cuz of the way what was well, the, what were they saying uh, sunny sunny okay and then the second team pitch was like next up like the main flyover coming into Barnstable. yeah and the tent went up so you come out you came over the flyover and were just smashed in the face by this massive festival marquee mm and at that point well, on the day of the festival no, like three, three, days three, three days before okay. four days before and then at that point like it went so we had sunny people could then see this tent going yeah. up and see it being built yeah. over the week and then we did like five six hundred tickets from like the wednesday yeah and then we were selling tickets on the saturday as well actually so that really a massive swing what happened
1: with the folk festival people
0: Oh, about a week before they came after us. What, they, they're like, what a letter? It's a lawyer's letter? Oh, yeah. Not a letter, like a big pack. So in short saying you've copied our ID, you've nicked our name, and you've ripped us off. And they, and at the time they were right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How did you react to that when that letter come through?
0: I, oh, mate, my reaction was was ridiculous. And I don't know who I thought it was. Yeah. Because I was at this point, no, we inst- then, we delivered it. We sort of forgot, we like kicked it in. So, mate, we're running the show. Yeah. We'll speak about it next week. Thinking it would go away. It and won't. It, it didn't go away. No, no. But now we've had a really successful festival and
1: we've packed it out. What were they saying in the lawyer's letter? Because you haven't actually oh. used fake festival name. What were they saying? Did you sign anything before with no. them to say that we are going to use you? No. no. NDAs, nothing like that. No. They were just giving you all the information. Essentially, you got all the information, and said, right, we'll do it ourselves and yeah, just change the name. Was,
0: it was mainly to do with the name. Did it get nasty at all? It, it, no, it didn't. Mainly because I went and got some advice. You've uh, got a
1: thousand Marines behind you.
0: <laughs> Maybe nah, that, that probably helps. Nah, <laughs> I, went, I went and got some advice from a really kind solicitor from the rugby club. He basically said, mate, put your ego away. Yeah. You're in the wrong here. Yeah. Just change the name of your festival. It's not... And, at the time, I don't know who I thought it was. Yeah. So I thought it was like the next Michael Eber saying, hang yeah. on a second, I'm on to something here. Yeah, Nah, mm. they're only worried because we're going to come and shut them down. Like we weren't. Yeah. I was being ridiculous. Yeah. And they need to put your ego away, change the name and all will be good. So yeah, we just changed the name. We called it Mirror Festival in terms, <laughs> of, in terms of that mirror image. of the.
1: <laughs> so uh, still a bit of piss-taking there. We carried it on. Yeah. Like they couldn't. I mean, what were they what were they after? Were they after a thief? No. Were they no. just after? Don't use the name. You've actually taken the Mickey out of us. Yeah, they're like, to, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah.
1: They had a point,
0: and more than the massive point. Point, yeah.
1: m- massive point, yeah, massive point, and like. So where did that lead you then to go into where we are today? You've got, uh, you're the owner of Gone Wild Festival, and your business partner is Bear Grills. Tell me that story. How on earth did that happen? Yeah. So this is so.
0: I had three years doing events in Devon. Yeah. And then I got drafted away in the Marines. And then we had a young family. So events sort of got put on the back burner. And I had then decided I was going to leave the Marines. And in my last two and a half years, um, I had the most amazing, like one of the most interesting, amazing jobs in the military I've ever had. And I was in charge of the corporate comms for the Royal Marines. Um <laughs> at Commando Training Centre where the Marines train and that, what I was responsible for was um, if England football came to visit, I'd like, coordinate that visit. If the Royal Family came to visit, I'd, I'd run that.
1: What, so the Royal Family come to visit the Royal Marines, you'd be yeah. in charge of that?
0: Well, I'd be like the main coordinator. Is that right? So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was ama- and but also
1: things like... Did you get to meet any of the Royal Family?
0: Well, like, not properly. Mm. No, 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 no. I was there to, like, to facilitate yeah. the senior officers. And so. Yeah. Um. And but that, you were
1: the main go-to for them to access what's going not,
0: on. Not me, but like, I'd work with the my equivalent in, like, yeah, raw, okay. in the raw household or like if it was a secretary of state oh, visit. Wow. Like, fascinating. Yeah, it, but, but also you had like big companies like HSBC come down to Limston to do corporate leadership packages. And I'd work with my boss to like, coordinate and go through the syllabus and like and deliver that and mm. um, but in the corporate comms space bear grills is an honorary royal marines colonel so what that means is so he is someone that promotes the royal marines to his network to the outside okay. world um and
1: he's like an ambassador
0: yeah exactly okay that. and okay. he's excellent at it and yeah. he's really active and it's one of the he's really really proud to do it and i and he serves the Royal
1: Marines so well. He comes across as a really nice guy. Is he a really nice guy seems, in real life yeah, and, and on genuine? And yeah,
0: genuine, lovely. Like ultimately, we'll, we'll get to it. But he backed a bloke with relatively little festival experience to go off and you no, know,
1: which is you, yeah, which is me. So where did that conversation happen with you and Bear Grylls? So we had this problem with
0: um, the Royal Marines were trying to work closely with the Scouts. Yeah. And Bear Grylls is, a, is the chief scout, and um, we just couldn't quite make the link. So, mainly for recruiting purposes, later down the line, because scouts obviously got a huge pool of people. And um, So, Bear. Smart. How does this? Just, just hold me there. How does the
1: scouts? Work? Is the scouts? All kids. Yeah, no, you know, like, you can well, go. Well, the
0: scouting organization, you know, has beavers all the way up to I think they're called adventurers now. So, four to twenty-five. Right. You know? Okay. Um. Yeah, my, so for example, my children are in beavers now. Mm. And they're six and five. But um, yeah, so it goes all the way through yeah. up to you know teenagers and, and young adults. So we had this idea that we would have Royal Marine cadets yeah. and scouts doing adventure stuff at the Commando Training Center. You had them, we built our consult course, climbing wall, and little shooting range. Yeah. And we brought the CEO, the scouts down to basically demonstrate the two organizations were really closely linked. Yeah. And it was an awesome little event. Now, we had three or 400 kids running around, falling out of trees, getting wet and muddy, um, climbing up climbing walls, doing assault courses. And it was mega. So what you know, what everyone wants kids to be doing mm. in an evening. And then that night, we're having a cup of tea. And I said to Bear, like, why have you never done anything like that commercially? And he said, "I don't know, but we should." And that was it. Brilliant. And he said, um, "You know that I like the I, I like the sound of that. Uh, you're pretty busy, um, but if you think you can make that work, come back to me." And That was on the Thursday, and I went away and spoke to my wife. And on the Monday, I emailed him and said, "Like, were you were you serious?" And he said, yeah, I was serious. And he introduced me to his CEO. And he said, you know, come and meet Rupert. And if you can, um, if you think you can make it work, then then I'm in. And that was it. There was no big shiny pitch deck. There yep. was no, um, that, that was it. He said, I, I like the idea. I like you. I like the fact that it supports. Um, 10- and what year was this then? Twenty. 20- 17, 18. 2017.
1: And from that conversation there, how quickly was it that you come up with the name Gone Wild Festival and cut the deal with Bear?
0: Oh, long. Actually, it wasn't quick. Um,
1: what oh, year was your first festival?
0: 2021.
1: 20, 21? Yeah, so last year. So were you prepared, were you wanting to do your festival before the pandemic or did the pandemic hold you back to then go, well, it's launching 21? Correct.
0: So I had a rock star way on how not to leave the military. Yeah. So... My, my last month in the military was December 2019. yeah, And I'm like, and I'm leaving to set up, or I'd already set it up by then, leaving to run a festival business. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet, I think, yeah, here we go. Yeah. I've, I've nailed it, this, I've got a great plan. yeah, I've worked really hard, bang, February 2020. Mm. So less than two months after I've left, a well-paid job. Secure
1: family to feed, yeah. uh,
0: Just moved into a, like, a really lovely house in a really lovely village in December. My life is sweet. I've got yeah. a great opportunity. I've still got loads of work to do, yeah. but I've got a great opportunity.
1: Guaranteeing what were you guaranteeing three grand a month, yeah, roughly. Yeah, you're guaranteeing, grand, guaranteeing three grand a month, roughly, being a marine. Hand your notice in two months later, the pandemic hit, yeah, no salary coming in, correct?
0: Yeah, and there's and it was a uh, it was a moment, mm. f- fair to say, and obviously that completely scuppered any plans of us doing a show in August 2020.
1: So the idea was to do it August 20, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but who's going to fund this first festival? How did you? Li- why did you leave with no salary, or did you leave to say, "Bear, put me on a salary, and I can get this up and running"?
0: No. it's so this is where we go all the way back now um, to like those initial conversations with Rupert uh, and. The parameters that I was set early on, and some people think the parameters were harsh. I, I actually don't think they were. Um, you know, Bear grills Beat, and Bear grills Ventures, extremely busy organization yeah. with lots of other things going on. Uh, they were in the middle of launching their new um, TV production company. Um, they just bought B Mil- or British Military Fitness, as it was then. A bear had just done Obama, so these guys are like busy yeah. and they're doing you no know, proper commercial deals. And then there's this at the time random raw marine who's got this idea about an, a Bear Grylls adventure themed festival. And you know the, the rules were the rules were really really clear that it was um, of limited um, time to the Bear Grylls team because they didn't have it because they were all so busy um limited risk to the bear grills brand so what that and then at no financial you know, risk to the yeah. bear grills business yeah and if i could work with that then fine so i went away and i thought about that and i was like yeah i, I can work with that and then i went into that whole process of trying to raise investment yeah which like Oh my word! Yeah. And I, I never forget Rupert saying to me, "He's like Ollie. This will take you two years to raise that money."
1: How much did you have to raise in your mind?
0: I started off like it was a like high, Go on. Um, like a couple of million quid. That would then secure. <laughs> Everyone
1: starts high, don't they? Yeah. And they realise reality like, kicks in.
0: That was like to was like that would then see us through to like on a five year plan basically. Mm. And um, there's me and <laughs> I, I used to drive it. You know, drive up to London sometimes, get the train up to London, just for one meeting sometimes, you know. And I'd spent, and at this point I'm in the Marines, so I'm like working, tr- conjuring up a business plan, which I'd never done before. Mm. Take it to someone, that'll get ripped to shreds. Mm. Go back, redo it for the next meeting, go up to London, a I meeting gets cancelled. Right? And I found the fundraising process. Yeah painful to say the least however what i would say is i think that it's a really in terms of me and gone wild i think it was a really necessary evil for me to go through why is that because the level of attention to detail that's required to actually deliver the event needs to be considered when you go in front of someone um and they start asking you the real uh, nitty-gritty questions so when you're
1: going there say if you come to me for investment you're like dodge i want to invest in gone wild i want two million quid what were you offering for that two million quid um equity yeah really. uh, what 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 percent of equity are you offering oh it varied
0: right um yeah, i think i started off for like you can have 20 percent, or then somewhere like it's just pie or. in the sky numbers really yeah it, and um
1: but, you, you but so- were you then going, hold on a minute, I'll give you 20% for that 2 million quid, but we believe in year one we're going to get, how many people do you think you're going to get? I've, we always kept a conservative. We said yeah. like it was going to be
0: 5,000,
1: And how did you find it um, being a Royal Marine? Because if you went as a Royal Marine with not the name Bear Grylls around you, no one would have even probably had a, a, a conversation. That did you is- find the Bear Grylls brand name helped the process?
0: Without it, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. One hundred percent, we would not be here. That like the very first, wrong. The second meeting we had, and the very the first meeting we had was with Global in Leicester Square, and yeah, uh, they had Broadwick Live. Yeah,
1: they had about twelve
0: festivals at the time. They did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, we don't get in the room yeah. with Global without, without that yeah. brand attached,
1: and then. What were those conversations like with Global? Because they were on a shopping spree uh, buying festivals probably four, five, six, seven years ago. We were, buying... were, we were on the wrong end of it. Right, okay. They just, <laughs> so they just bought all their festivals and said, sorry, it's too late.
0: Well, no, they stopped it about yeah. eight, nine months later and like the whole thing just yeah. like disappeared. That's right. Um, and, then the, and then I was, remember we dro- I drove up there, I got up at half three in the morning, drove up to Hammersmith from Exeter. Yeah. Met Rupert and we went to this meeting and we got, we got the T-boys. And yeah. right. <laughs> we came out of that 45-minute meeting, having achieved nothing, we looked <laughs> at each other, laughed. And Rupert was like, I'm off to my next meeting. Like, what are you up to? I'm driving four hours back to Exeter. Yeah. For like eight hours
1: round, round trip.
0: For nothing. Did you
1: leave that meeting going, I'm out of my depth here? Nah no. no did you I, how did you leave that meeting going, this business model needs to be working before I can get investment?
0: No, I I left the meeting thinking that. We weren't speaking to the right people. Okay. And it was like.
1: Another learning curve, which is great. Yeah,
0: fine. like yeah, mate. Right boys, it wasn't, they were the wrong people. Yeah, who's next? Who's next? Yeah. And then the next one was the big one. With uh, her? With Live Nation. Okay. And that was, that was a challenge in itself to get in the room there. And I did, you know, I ended up just stalking the right people. Yeah. On, you know, Google and yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. And now she can't ring up faces then rung up and said, can I speak to so-and-so's PA? Got an email address, sent a deck in and then they came back and said, we would like to speak to you. What was that process like with Live Nation? Amazing. like Genuinely amazing. And they were super kind. They were really, really... There's a reason why
1: they're the biggest... The uh, biggest festival promoters in the world.
0: There is a reason why they are there because they've got great people um creative
1: where did it get to a point did it get to a point you thought you know what we could work with these or was there a point in the in certain meetings where you're going back and forth you went this doesn't feel right
0: Mm, i actually liked the team that they put on it Mm. um and we spent months working on this um developing it various concepts um how's the content going to work with the mass participation activities and we we cut a deal at the time which was really 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 um amazing and then in, in, for who
1: for them or you or win win
0: win win i felt um you know, and i'm sat there bearing in mind i'm a bloke with an idea yeah. right um and I've, I've run a few beer festivals yeah. and i've done a couple of tribute festivals yeah. and six months ago i had an idea yeah. and i'm now sat in Live Nation headquarters in London, yeah. negotiating a potentially go global deal mm. with a festival which at the point didn't even have a name, it was called yeah. the Bear Grills Festival. Yeah, I'm like, this is mental. Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I've got no right to be in this room right now. And I've got six or seven of the most senior people in this industry wanting to do this off mm. an idea I had over a cup mm. of tea. I'm like, mental, yeah, and then basically the numbers just didn't quite work. And that's why, and, and to this day, I look back and think, was that the right thing to do? Um, what was
1: the deal on the table? <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, they, they they came in and they were gonna obviously um, fund, fund the show, um, but they have a model where they keep funding because eventually their model works. So, it gets to a certain point where they become profitable, they become highly, highly profitable, as demonstrated on numerous festivals. So they were going to, like. to say
1: they would pay 100% of the festival costs or were they going to split it 50-50? No,
0: so it was due, as you know, that festivals um, lose money in the first two or three years um, and the lot, the projected losses on their model were really high. They wanted 50-50 of the loss annually from me and Bear, but so so we had skin in the game basically.
1: So whatever. So example, cause say it cost a mill mil to put on million quid, yeah, and they lost five hundred grand. Two fifty. They'd want you to pay two fifty, and they'd pay. You'd want you to pay two fifty each. No, it's, well two fifty. You split it. Yes, whatever it was. Okay. <clears throat> and then, how did that make you feel at that deal?
0: It's unworkable, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not workable. So basically,
1: they're coming after you and going, "Right, well, we want we want your debt. Your dues, two hundred fifty grand." You go, "I'm not going to pay it." They okay, go, "Well, that festival's ours."
0: What, however, it would have worked. Well, it would have
1: twisted It would have you, been. It would have yeah. been that way. I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, and but they were, yeah, and it, ultimately that is how why we didn't do that deal. Yeah, good um, for you. But I spent months working with some of the most capable people in the industry. Mm learning the whole time, learning even more Mm. about how to produce this festival. Mm. And then we came up with a name, not with Live Nation, we found, in fact, that was quite a funny story actually. Uh, They they came up with another name. What was Um, their name? uh, Wildfront. Okay. Yeah, Wildfront. And after we didn't do the deal, (laughs) I emailed them back and said, I know we haven't done the deal, but can I use that name (laughs) for this?
1: (laughs) What did they say? Politely, no. Do one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you just tweaked it gently to Gone yeah, Wild.
0: Yeah. Then we came up with Gone Wild. But, great name. Uh, yeah. Great name.
1: So when you when you've gone through this process, because for me it's about the journey. I love the journey of learning and learning. You meet people, you learn one percent there and one percent every day. You're improving. What was the point? We said, right, we're doing it ourselves.
0: After that, actually. Okay.
1: So yeah. you lost out in 2020. You went straight into 2021. What was that year one like for you and Bear?
0: Oh, it's super tough. I yeah. think what you've got to remember is, is that I actually hadn't sealed the deal in terms of, because of the journey yeah. we talk about yeah. and failures. So the toughest, the journey for me is toughest and lowest point was the summer of 2020. Because yeah. at this point, I actually now, because of what's gone on, I haven't sealed Gone Wild. Yeah. Like, it is.
1: But you've left your job after 14 years with no money coming in. Yeah. Fair play to you
0: and I spent the summer during I spent lockdown working in my office planning a festival that doesn't exist at a time when festivals are banned yeah trying to have conversations with sponsors yeah trying to have a conversation with marquee companies showers toilets toilets, fencing the whole lot whatever
1: yeah yeah because events are on their arse they're
0: illegal (laughs) they're they're illegal beyond that are you can't yeah, you can yeah. you can chat to your neighbour without getting grassed yeah, up. And yeah. there's me trying to convince people
1: <laughs> that, that you've got a festival coming. We've got a festival. It's yeah, okay. gonna be mega. Yeah.
0: And um Yeah, and then I, I'll never forget the day. Um we're driving up it was, it was in August and we're driving up to um, August twenty. August twenty yep. We're driving up to Norfolk to see my mum and uh Norfolk is where, Norwich. Mighty Norwich, right yeah, you took the piss out of <laughs> in your last podcast. I
1: didn't realize you were from
0: Norwich. So <laughs> <It's> relevant. <laughs> what did I say? You said, I still can't believe you said it. <laughs> you said, you said that if Bournemouth of Sevens was in Norwich, it'd be shit.
1: <laughs> I but don't it, think I'd say it was shit. Because it said wouldn't it, have the same feel, feel or vibe. Yeah.
0: And I say, uh, that's rubbish. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Had it been in Norwich, it'd be a hundred thousand.
1: I wasn't actually. Yeah. I didn't even know you were from there,
0: but. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I knew I was going to be getting a basic call to find out whether like the investment committee and stuff
1: were gonna back it and what investment committee
0: yeah, so i went to I went through a process of you know knowing you raise funds and yep. stuff and and then they finally go whoever you're raising funds from. Goes to a, you know, the committee in the organisation, and um, how much
1: you trying to raise at the time? Two fifty. Okay. And what percent were you going to give away?
0: At uh, this point, it was thirty percent. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you've gone for two mil for twenty percent, and now two fifty for thirty percent. Yeah. I mean, did I, you get the? Did you get the? Did you get the money? Yeah. Do you wish you had, or wish you hadn't? I didn't have a choice. Okay. And the, and the reason is, is that,
0: and I think it's a total fair one, is that you need the funding in place to protect Bear's brand, right? Yeah. So had,
1: and without the brand, there's no festival. Yeah. And it's a total fair one from him. Do you want to catch-22 at every angle here? I don't think it is a catch-22. No, but, like- you're, but you're, but you're looking at one angle, guy. I need to protect Bear. He's not putting any money in, and but he's giving his brand name and his, his team are saying, we... Don't want any headache with this, but make sure it's a really good festival. we put our name to it. You're then short of cash. You've got to find investors. They've chucked in 250. Um, I guess you're away. The positives of getting that 250, you're away. If you didn't get 250, you might not be sitting here today, right?
0: Yeah. And also we've missed a hugely significant part of this journey Mm. um, in that when we came away from the Live Nation deal, then I'd had that pretty frank conversation with you know, BGV who then did find uh, put in a little bit of seed investment. BGV was a bear but girls bear, ventures. bear girls ventures, yeah. Okay. They put in a little bit of seed investment to get how much? Get,
1: Roughly?
0: Like proper money. Go pro- on. Like six figures. Like a hundred north of a hundred. In and around. Okay. Yeah. And um so that they're, they're in.
1: Yeah. But that's a nice commitment for you. As a promoter, you're going, well, hold on a They're definitely, and they're believing, they're believing everything that I'm doing here. Did they know the struggles you were going through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. this
0: is like, and because I'd gone, because up until that point of walking away from Live Nation, yeah. they had seen me like knock doors down yeah. and graft and yeah. graft and graft. And I think because Live Nation wanted to do it, they biggest festival company in the world that sort of gave the idea and the concept credibility
1: mm. um again it's part of the story it's a great uh, story because without meeting live nation you wouldn't have the credibility when you're approaching other people to say oh live nation want to buy us and put investments up, but we said no would you like to come on board and invest that probably helped you get the deal yeah. over the line right
0: yeah I th- look, the whole up to this point is a uh, is a story of failures, right? And knocks and getting back up and you know, learning from the failure and then getting t- and getting to the, the next step and being resilient and yeah, but it's, it's not an easy journey. Oh, no. And, um, I've been there. Yeah. I and mean, that is where I have been unbelievably lucky mm. and blessed that I um, when I left the, in my process of leaving, I went to a, an event set put on by the Royal Marines charity, which is basically a, a business startup group, um, where I went, went with my idea, and it was put on by a charity called Heropreneurs. Um, Heropreneurs, yeah, okay. and it's amazing, amazing charity, and it's set up for service people who are leaving the service or in service that want to go into business, and then you get given a a mentor based on your business plan yeah and again without those two interventions and the amazing support of the Royal Moons charity and heropreneurs and the mentors that I had gone wild wouldn't exist mm. and then from that you know I've now got on in a circle of four or five you know four mentors who now are directors of gone wild who are all older than me, who are all hugely successful businessmen in their own right, but have been on the journey with me from day one. Brilliant. Um, And they never asked, they never asked for a penny. Uh, They just are always on the end of the phone. People that I now really do regard as like close friends have just been there for me. Um, Yeah. So they're now on our board of directors. Wonderful. And I was really, again, without them, those people, Let's give them a shout. What are their names? So they, know, so it's uh, Jamie, Tom, uh, Rupert, obviously Bear. And then we have like Peter Mountford from Heropreneurs, my mentor. Then uh, Adam. Like, without
1: that collection, there, and there will be more um, I've forgotten. So I'm sorry. With your first year festival, tell me what you went through. Why did you pick the venue? How did you know how much to charge? What did you think about um, the levels of sponsorship you thought you were going to get? Tell me about booking the bands. Tell me about all the lessons you learned on putting on your first festival.
0: Right, okay. So why did we pick the venue? The main reason is that it was really close to where I'm living right now. So I could be there, you know, if I needed to pop over, do a recce and stuff. It's also a mega venue. Um, it hosted Radio 1's Big Weekend couple of years before so we knew it had the capacity for 30,000 people we knew it could do camping it's got its own train station um it is plumbed into mains water and um, it's got three or four different venues within the venue um, ranging from 10,000 to 30,000 uh, depending on how you configure the site uh, it's got a lake which is important for us um, the topography is great. It's hilly. It's got woods. It's rugged. You know, it fits the adventure Bear grills brand, um, and we like the fact that it's not pristine. A big castle. It's really,
1: really pretty, but rugged as well. So that's a stunning like, venue.
0: Yeah, it's really. You came down. Yeah, it was, yeah it's stunning, not,
1: stunning venue.
0: And another reason is that even though extra people might think it's not ever so connected, um, it's a long way from anywhere the population of Devon and Cornwall trebles in August. Yep. <clears throat> so we thought we've got a lot of people on holiday in the area. And there's there's not a huge amount of competition for family festivals in Devon, especially ones that, you know, because I had a big vision for Gone Wild. Yeah. And I wanted it to be up there with Camp Festival, Carfest, Festival. And then we want to use the Bear Girls brand to take it all over the world. So we want to Gone wild, California. We want to Gone wild, Florida. We want to Gone wild in
1: Peckham. Yeah, done. Norwich.
0: <laughs> Norwich. There yeah. we go. Hundred
1: thousand yeah. in Norwich. Yeah, done. Two hundred thousand. <laughs> um, so we- you had big. So you had big visions for this. Just explain to me what the festival is like. Bournemouth Sevens Festival is a sport and music festival. Like we we're going back there, Live Nation. Live Nation. Have music festivals and music festivals can take up to seven years to break even. We had a different business model, sport and music. So we had rugby, netball, hockey, dodgeball, volleyball, uh, CrossFit, cheerleading. We threw it, all, threw it all in there and then created a the big festival feel for 30,000 people that they all turn up at three, four in the afternoon and party in our 12 different festival arenas. What was your business model? So we went,
0: our bullseye is the family market. Okay. And where we saw a gap. Is that there were lots of people doing versions of a music festival yep. and calling them family friendly. Um, apart from Camp Festival, who were like doing it properly, but they were a family friendly music festival. Yep. And there was music everywhere has got a music festival now, like every town, village has got something, a, a, mu- a music festival going on. And where we saw the gap in the market was this like summer camp adventure experience, where you could turn up with your family. You know, in the morning, you'd go and do a workout, then you'd go off with one of the like bear grills instructors, learn how to light fires, make traps, do camouflage and concealment, go and throw axes, go kayaking, go paddle boarding. Um, all about getting families outside, being active and experiencing adventure together. But putting your phones down, yeah. getting wet, getting muddy, but making it fun. Yeah. And that's sort of where the festival element element comes into it with the main stage, with the bands uh, and a couple of other, like fun venues. Um, that's sort of how that all slots in. So it is a it is a unique concept. Um, and then when you layer the Bear Grylls brand on that, that gives it real credibility yeah. and gravitas.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that that that's what we went after. And mm. then when we announced it, it, we announced it in October 2020. So yeah. we sort of announced it in between lockdowns. So yeah. We've just come out of lockdown. And then...
1: You announced it in October 2020 that it was going to happen in August 2021. Yeah, okay. We announced it. And what was that journey like for you? Because at festivals, it was obviously tickets, camping, upgraded glamping, you got sponsorship, yeah, you got the bar. But there's a lot of outlay. In your mind, how much did you think year one was going to cost? And how much did it end up costing?
0: I think the figure I'd like to refer back to is we always knew that in year one, we were going to lose money. Yeah. We always knew that yeah. and we planned for that. And um, we had a, a number that we thought we were going to lose and we fell within five grand of that number. Amazing!
1: Well done to you. How much did that cost to put you on that year, That year, to put on that festival?
0: I mean, the whole thing is gusting a million quid. Okay. The whole thing is gusting a million what quid. What
1: did you think it was going to cost you in year one? I think
0: going back before we, in that summer of 2020, we were thinking it might have cost maybe six. Yeah. Maybe seven.
1: Yeah, or uh, creep, um, creeps up quickly, doesn't
0: it? It does, and because of COVID, the, the mental thing about year one is that we never, we never actually had certainty that the show was going to yeah. run. You were the same, Yeah, of course. Yeah, didn't have a cast iron certainty until July. Yeah, because they did the announcement in February, seven and, weeks before. Yeah,
1: yeah, we had the same. Did the announcement? We had to find a thousand staff a day to work our festival within seven weeks. Wow,
0: wow! I mean, that's amazing. Mm. I mean, we didn't have to find
1: that many, but no one was working. No yeah. one had been working for two years. There was no bar staff. There was no security. It was it was a proper full on, full on mission to get all people tech, from everywhere.
0: All the tech crew have gone off and yeah. got other jobs. Other jobs. They've become yeah. state
1: agents or they're working for a bank or whatever. They needed to feed their families. Yeah, it's mental. Yeah, I mean, so go so go back. You're thinking it's going to cost you six hundred to put on. Um, end up costing you a million quid. Where did you put the investment for you? Was it the production for you, or was it the entertainment? Was it the bands? It was the music. What was what were you putting emphasis on? Were you trying to pull in a family crowd, and then were you trying to pull in another crowd in the evening? At this
0: at this point, no. Um, and the reason is that because of COVID, um, and there's still being so much uncertainty in the market you know, getting suppliers, getting staff, we've just said, was so mm. difficult. Mm. We just said it's a weekend camping ticket only. Didn't want the complexity. Friday, of de- Saturday, de- Sunday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay. Sunday. And the reason why we did the Thursday is because bank holiday weekend, like the roads were an epic. So we wanted to get them in. Okay. Get them settled. Um, <laughs> which didn't didn't be, wasn't the case. We'll mm. come on to that. And then, uh, so we went weekend only. But because we... We start. We launched from nothing. Like we had the day we launched, we had eight Instagram followers. I was one. My wife was the other. A couple of people that were helping us out and Bear grills. So to to launch, we thought well, we need to book some sort of headline talent that people can recognise. So we booked Razorlight, Kaiser Chiefs, and wow. then we took a punt. Which turned out to be the best decision we ever made on the Ministry of Sound classical, which is you know, a thirty-two piece
1: orchestra playing. Play so you've gone, you've got, you've you've gone all chips in to get some three big acts on your year one. Oh yeah. How uh, much was Razorlight?
0: Oh, they were no,
1: they weren't. They weren't ten grand for example. Were they? What forty grand? Fifty grand? No, not quite that. Thirty but, grand. Let's call yeah, it thirty yeah. grand. How much was the uh, 32 piece band? About the same. 30 grand. And who was the other? Kaiser Cheese. How much were Kaisers? Yeah, a lot more. Give me a number, roughly. No, between 70 and 80 grand. Okay. Bloody hell. That's ballsy, you going in like that. Were you thinking we had to put the cherry on the top to make, to give people the wow factor? So, our
0: thought process at the
1: time was
0: we. You went for
1: 150 grand here, roughly.
0: We haven't, yeah, to start off with, yeah, on the hook for. Just on line up. And because we're new, yeah, we have stumped up 50% of that money before we've announced because cool. we've got to. Yeah. So we don't exist in, yeah. in the world at the moment and we're already, we've sunk half that money, not to mention the money it's costing to get out the door. Yeah. um, But... The logic behind it was is that we have a premium or the premium brand in the world of adventure and Bear Grylls. Yeah. We've now got a significant
1: sponsor involved here. Who is, who is that? Nature Valley. Okay. Um, they were coming in for roughly 100? Yeah. Yeah. Three-year deal, five-year deal? Three-year deal. Amazing. Okay. We don't exist. No, amazing. But you wouldn't have got that deal without Bear yeah. Grylls being Correct. on board. Because so, so he's adding his weight in gold even though he's not – we put hundred grand in as as a commitment, but that's a great partnership.
0: And there I am, yeah. like, literally the most grateful bloke in the world yeah. at this point. I've, yeah. You know,
1: um, were you? Did you put yourself on a salary at this point? No,
0: because I was still in the military. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, you weren't. No, you I left weren't. the military. And- no, no. At this point, yeah. At this point, no. Okay. At this point, so no. you were still
1: working for free.
0: Yeah. What I what I'd had to do to pay the bills, I had. I joined the reserves. Yeah. And I was doing some work for the reserves to, to basically pay my Pay the bills. So,
1: yeah. um, oh, a massive respect. By the way, just I know we're halfway through this, or I know it's gone on. But massive respect of what you've gone through, because I know exactly what you've gone through. Was there any points when you lying next to your wife, going, "What the freaking hell am I doing?" Or did you have full belief the whole time?
0: No. And the answer to the question is yes. And I never forget one of the things she said to me. The answer is yes or no. So, was I ever lying and thinking, "What am I doing?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Countless times. Okay. Countless
1: times. Um waking up three a.m., uh, mind spinning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go downstairs, like make make some more notes. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, haven't thought about that. Oh, that's more money. Yeah. Oh, that's another five hundred tickets we've got to sell. Yeah. Um, and then she said something to me one day when I was I like, I was like taking a bit of a battering. And she said, Look, you've worked so hard to feel what you're feeling now. Um, you, know, you might not think about it. You know, you, you're doing really well. This is the, the feeling what you're feeling now is actually a privilege. You
1: Your put, wife says you're doing yeah, really yeah. well. What a lovely thing yeah, to you say. Put,
0: you've, you know, you've worked really hard yeah. to put yourself in this position. and There are millions of people that will never experience what you're feeling mm. now. And um, I was like, yeah, lucky them. <laughs> 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 but... Um, you know, Bear said numerous things like that to me in the past. Uh, and I, I do, looking back, really think that even though Gone Wild isn't a success yet in terms of you know, where it could be.
1: So it's costing you, it's, year one's costing you, end up costing you a million quid. You thought it was going to cost 600. You put in, you, you've, you've, you're roughly 150, 150 grand on live acts. How many tickets did you think you were sell? 5,000 you were working on earlier. And how much was a ticket in year one? So we had a weekend ticket.
0: So it was 165 pounds for an adult, average like 80 quid for a kid. And we had a family ticket for say 450 quid. Yeah. We had a VIP bolt on. Okay. I cut a deal with um, a pre pitch yurt company. Mm. Um, How much did you turn over year one? Oh, we were, you know, we were just
1: 100 grand short. Mate, that's amazing. Yeah. Please just take a moment. Cost a mil. You turn over roughly nine hundred, but that's with one hundred and fifty plus all the extras of of live entertainment and bands and stuff. What did you learn in year one? Was there any pissed off people who turned oh, up? Oh my
0: word! Oh my word! <laughs> what did I learn? This is like another episode. <laughs> um, it's and I've and I said it the night the, the the night we first opened, and I've said it all the way along. that We had a really bumpy start. Mm. Um. And it didn't go well.
1: Tell like, me some moments, the moments you opened the door, the moments you built the site for year one and gone, God, this is looking good. I'm feeling this. Did the actual moments where people come in expecting really high levels of everything, because Bear's got his name to it, for you to be the front man of that festival and the people taking it out on you. Are yeah. there any moments like that?
0: Oh, let me. So we need to take it back a little bit. Um, so we, had all, we have all these activities of which there are you know 50 60 70 different things going on but we didn't know we had an idea like we you know got the spreadsheets out and we we knew that there was enough for everything to for everyone to do but yeah. like we knew that yeah um, and you have got a
1: timetable of this going on this time this time yeah. this time so everyone was like in the day there's loads of stuff to do for there's me. loads
0: okay. of stuff going on yeah. um but what we didn't have there's two there's two fatal errors that I made and I will always own mistake on this is firstly that we communicated to people that they could book two things in the morning and two things in the afternoon and then the second thing was is that we didn't have everything open on the Thursday It was a bit of a soft opening Mm. and in my head I thought people would just turn up and chill out and find their way and like just ease into the festival and Friday everything would be open yeah yeah got raised like Friday night and it would be great Mm that did not happen. And the problem was that because we communicated that you had to book, you could book two in the morning, two in the afternoon. And we give everyone this booking sheet at the gate. So they came through, like some people weren't putting their tents up. They were going straight to the entrance to the arena and waiting because what they wanted to do was get booked on and have their weekend sorted. And then at I'll never forget like biking up to the Humpback Bridge and it was about eight deep wide and the queue was about six, 700 meters long. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's got these bits of paper in their hand and I was like, wow, oh, you're all okay. kids. Yeah, we've got to get booked on. We've got to get yeah. booked on. I'm like, no need, don't worry about that. There's loads, there's loads of, loads of things for people to do. The gates went at for Gates and it was like the start of a marathon. Yeah. they like, running in and uh, they all just sitting there all basically went to the, the prime areas mainly the lake and queued up to get their weekend sorted yeah. and then within about an hour we had queues like three main queues of about three hours long mm. and then the, this narrative that everything was fully booked yeah. everything wasn't fully booked yeah. but the the, the the people would got really, really, really cross. Like that, they because they were, they were queuing a book on
1: things, and we had. So you say they're really cross. Give an example. How did you deal with it? They they obviously knew you were the owner. Did you front up straight away? I,
0: yes, in, yeah. in short, I did. You know, yeah. But what I need to do is need to like fully understand what you know, the the problem. Yeah. So I'd go around. I'd, like, there's people queuing for something like to get booked on for something on Sunday. I'm saying but like, over there there's a team of former Royal marines they want to give a camel concealment lesson and there's no mm. one in it mm. I was like well, over there like, that's going on and there's no one in it I like, know nope, I want to book you told me I could book so therefore okay. I'm booking so I'm in this queue like trying to like say to people just like go and get a beer like this there's so many things going on here let's go and get a beer like, this is going to be cool yeah Um. no and they like and you told me I could book, and um, yeah, and I and I, I, I was fronting it up, yeah, and then it's like, like we have now got a problem because then, then social media lit up,
1: yeah,
0: and then that within like three hours, like the papers have got hold of this, yeah. like national papers have got hold of it, yeah, and um, it's like, okay, right, everyone in, and it was a. Uh, you know, we haven't even opened well so we have opened three hours we're in for three hours and already we're having a, a full on crisis meeting it was it was crazy you know and mothers like like screaming at me and I'm there and at this point I'm thinking right I've red or black my life on this gig mm. we've got it open right, against all the odds like we have planned through COVID we've launched during lockdown here we are and now we've got problem it can't be it can't be clogged up like there's so much and um and it the problem was it was the booking system right it just it it created a blockage that didn't need to be there um and then basically as people sort of like started to calm down that night they went and got beer like the silent disco and the dj started kicking off and there was a couple of like other venues opened People did just like chill out. They were annoyed. And then on the Friday, like we sort of pulled all the supplies in at night and said, nice, right, people have booked, honor the booking. But where we can now, let's just go to a walk up system. Let's please, op- let's increase the opening hours. So we open from eight to like six, you now across all the activities.
1: 8 a.m. And, to 6 p.m. Yeah. yeah okay.
0: And then Friday it was like night and day like that I didn't sleep that Thursday night didn't eat because like, I felt sick with stress I was like, like, this is so bad at this point like social media is fully alive what sort of stuff oh no, no there's within hours there's a gone wild complaints and discussions group you know and we are getting torn to shreds yeah, okay I'm getting called out personally. Yeah. Some bloke saying that he's going to come and start a protest outside my house. You no, know, people demanding refunds, and I'm like, "Wow, like we are. This is this is painful." And um, but again, like, come of the crisis, come of like the BG team and the machine who like absolutely fronted up. So we had a couple of bears like team there that, and they were like, "This is not. This is right now. We're in the cauldron, and this problem feels." really bad we we think it's awful this problem isn't that awful so we just need to bear that you know keep that in yeah. perspective here because out there is actually not a bad festival at all we just had a bumpy first few hours and then the next day i was like just got to start well just got so up right. please let the bus be there for swimming please let the bus take the people down for open water swimming the bus is there so we get 60 people down to the beach swimming you know, they're happy and then like the morning workouts are happening and they're really busy and everyone's happy and now because everything else is open you now people are coming in disgruntled yeah but now everything's available oh i want to go i want to go paddleboarding? you get look, crack on there's a paddleboard there off, off you go What? what can i and then so come friday lunchtime we've now got the festival like running and like the main stage then kicks in and it's all up and running the music yeah, okay. like that abs that changed the yeah. feel of the show and then come so friday and then Ray's Light have come on done a great job and then saturday is saturday you know we're up and running and we're rocking and rolling um bears done a great job on the main stage i like, really owned it and
1: so what does Bear what does Bear do on the weekend? Does Bear come up and and host the main stage so everyone can see him and autograph photos and have a talk?
0: Yeah, so in the first year he came on the main stage, thanked all the sponsors, thanked everyone for coming, um, did a tour of the festival,
1: like out on the ground. Um How many people did you get year one?
0: Five and a half thousand, all six done. thousand, yeah.
1: Well done. All camping. All camping. Brilliant. Have you ever thought about doing day tickets? Yeah, we did that in year two. Okay. So from year one, a hundred grand loss, you learned a shed load of lessons. Did Were you straight back on it for year two going, oh my God, right, we're getting straight back on this. Or was it a bit of a, I need a, I need a bit of downtime?
0: A bit of both. Yeah. So we wanted to get back on sale straight away. Um, main reason to get back on sale was understanding the damage yeah. that the first like 24 hours had done. Yeah because you know, this, like, this problem hasn't gone away for us. Mm. Even though we've delivered a festival and there's so many people coming up to me Saturday and Sunday saying, I gave you a hard time on Thursday, yeah. but you guys really pulled it around, hats off. There was still a real chunk of people that didn't and a handful of people that had left, You know, small claims court you know, coming after us for ticket money, et cetera, et cetera. So we got back on sale and then it was like, right, We had a really good pretty positive early bird launch for 2022 and okay that sort of gave me like a shot in the arm that we'd had overall we've done a good job Mm. and we learned loads and then it's like right now we need to understand how to make this festival really good because we know how to do it now um and we could because it was year one and it was covid we'd been really skinny on, a, on so many areas and it's fine. Which areas? Almost all of it. Staffing. Like security. Yeah. Like, power. Water, like, we got away with it but it was yeah. bumpy.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, that can't happen again. Like, if we, if we really want to be the best family festival, not only in the country but in the world, mm. we've, got, we've got to go back to, you know,
1: drawing books and, and really... And take leave. it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and that next level... Did you the, feel under
1: pressure that, Bear Grills had his name to it, and this is what happened year one. And did he feel the pressure of, "What well, if I put my name to it?" I
0: think I felt the pressure more than him because there had been so many people, including him, that had been so kind and generous to me. That cause it hadn't gone well off the bat, I was like, I'd, I'd let them down, mm. you know, including including like my wife and I was thinking. Fucking hell! Like what what have I actually done there? Yeah. So many people have backed me, and I've and I've had a shocker. Like the star pistol's gone, and it's just it's not gone brilliantly. But um, so I was really really determined to make sure that this year year two n- no such thing would happen, and I did, couldn't really shake that first day.
1: So so you shook it off, you look back on year one, massive learning curve. Year two, you're looking back again, I've learned loads of lessons. Right, year two, we've got a whole year now to plan. Did you think going down the route of Headline acts was right for you in year two? I did. Who did you have as Headline acts in year two? So
0: we had Reef in the Darkness on the Friday. Yeah. Who was all, and that was all sensible that fits the bill perfectly and is sensible money. What sort of money were there? You know, you can get, pick up Reef for between 10 and 15 grand. You can pick up The Darkness for something, you know, a little bit more than that, but not much. And um, we had, initially we had the All Saints on the Sunday with someone else, I can't remember, it wasn't who we ended up with. And what we couldn't find was we couldn't find the Saturday night headliner. Yeah. And I was like, right, we didn't get year one right. We didn't get it right. And the experience that we provided <clears throat> wasn't where we wanted it to be. So what I can't do is go and get, no, I can't go below the kaiser chiefs or whatever like yeah. that because we're essentially i'm thinking
1: on paper we're going to give them a worse experience yeah. and it's a dangerous game ollie oh it's a dangerous game going booking acts and then looking at the following year going we've got to compete against what we had on last year
0: yeah i think had we nailed it yeah i think had the complete experience mm. been exceptional then i'm not in that headspace yeah who did you
1: have on the Saturday night this year? said the script. The script, how much were they? Big. Tom, 50. In and around. 200. No, you're right. 30, that. Okay. Yeah. And then on the Sunday?
0: Well, we were going to have All Saints, but they
1: cancelled. How much would All Saints want in? 30, 40. Okay. okay. But we we brought back the they, they, orchestra for 30 or 40 to yeah. Okay. Out of those three nights, which are the ones that stood out to you? Uh, it, is, it is the Saturday night. If yeah, Okay. Honest. Um, and when you look back, because you invited me this year and I came along and I thought it was outstanding, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thank year you. two festival. I know we're talking about anyone listening out here who's in events and festivals and we're talking about the ups and downs and the pressures. You've got to remember that what Ollie has gone through has been a proper kick in the plums with the whole uh, COVID, then been given the green light six, seven weeks before putting on his first festival with not much experience, a lot of pressure on his shoulders, to then going into year two, the production at year two, when I turned up, I was like, this feels like a year five festival, not a year two.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I think we went into war planning um, after the first year. And then we sat down and this was when you know we had a really... You know, I know I talk about this in a circle of people yep. at the, the senior level. Mm. But at the delivery level, I've also got in a circle of like three or four... Gems absolute rock stars keep that, hold of them that when the chips were down in that first year I look left and right and they're, they're there they're, they're there yeah and they're they're not they're not shying away from this problem yep. and then after that first show they could have said look pff, yeah, that 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 now that's not for me thanks yeah. for the work but they didn't they were like nope this is we can see where this is going we fixed it you know, you
1: how did it feel to you when you looked at year one? Because most festivals, you lay out the festival. And for me, when I put a festival, it's all about movement of people, yeah. making sure that they're going into the right tense, make sure the music's right, make sure the security right, make sure the vibe and the energy and the buzz is all there. Yeah. Did the festival change uh, a lot from the layout on year one to layout year two when I arrived this year, when I come along and checked it?
0: Not massively. Okay. But it's going to change a little bit going into year three. Yeah. Um,
1: How much did year two cost you? Put on million quid again or more? No
0: more. And there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, firstly, in year one we were um, we weren't adequate in quite a lot of areas, yeah. so we always had to upscale. And then, secondly, in September, everyone whacked the
1: prices up this year as well. Unbelievable! Yeah. But like all contracts, whacked the prices up by twenty to twenty-five to thirty percent.
0: Yeah, but and then you know, what happened uh, with, with Russia and Ukraine also then...
1: Bang- How much did it cost you this year?
0: 1.3? Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Maybe a bit more. And also like we booked headline talent,
1: like the script, which- what, what I'm not, I'm not like, I find it really difficult to understand what was going through your head when you think, I want to spend 150 grand plus a rider plus fat for an on for an act on Saturday night. So, right. So here we are
0: thinking that, we can't get anyone else, firstly.
1: But do you honestly, do you, when I look in, do you honestly think the act would make any difference whatsoever to your ticket sales? Saturday well, sat now. Yeah.
0: Saturday now after year yeah. two, um, I would never do that ever again. Okay. Good. Ever, ever again. Good. Um, but you have to think about where I am making that decision, which is almost like 12 months ago. Yeah. Things haven't gone well. What I want to do is I'm sat there going, right, we need to get back on this horse, right? What's the first thing we can do? Let's get the music out there yeah. and get some positive vibes going. Yeah. And I think the problem actually wasn't that bad, but in my head, because I'd worn it so heavily. Yeah, you heavily. magnify it, don't yeah. you?
1: Thinking it's going to, the world's about to win. Everyone yeah, looking and it actually,
0: to, yeah. it actually wasn't that yeah. bad. And yeah. had someone just gone, look how many people have rebooked. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Just like, cool your jet. How many
1: people do you reckon there were pissing, well, who were upset? A couple of hundred. Okay, could you not just go and... And give them all refunds. Tried.
0: Yeah, tried. And
1: they don't want the refund?
0: Well, some did. Some took us a small claims court. What was a small claims court for? If you give them a refund, yeah, you... Well, it's a couple of people that stayed all weekend and then then wanted then wanted um, their money back. And I'm like, no, you actually had a good weekend. You're not having your money back. Didn't didn't okay. So t-
1: <laughs> Do you know what I'd have done? What? I'd give them the money back. I'd have gone, you know what? <laughs> Have your money back. Yeah, in, hi-
0: leave, yeah. in hindsight again, a massive learning. Yeah, okay. I won't do that again. Like driving, driving to a small claims court. Getting
1: screened, Don't need
0: it. getting screened at getting
1: screened at. have your money back. Have a free ticket next year. See you later. Change the whole change the whole yeah. narrative.
0: And again, that's a
1: personal lesson for me.
0: Yeah. Um and I'll going forward.
1: So in year, year one, 100 grand loss. Year two, it's gone up yeah, to 1.3. You're looking three 400 grand loss? Not
0: as bad as that, but it's it's an underperformance on year one. Okay. But we can identify
1: how and why, Yeah, talent. So talent. So in talent, so talent, you're looking at a ton 50 set of data. You may be looking at 250 in talent in year two.
0: More, in total more.
1: 300 Gs. Yeah. And more. then the year before was a ton 50.
0: No, a little bit more than that because you had all the other. Support oh, what in, the X So yeah. 200
1: and 300. You jumped up. Okay. Please tell me in year three you're not going to be spending 300 grand on X. No, no, okay. no. So
0: we're going to. No, spend a third
1: of that. Good for you. Um, you can be. I think you can be really clever with the acts you get. And I understand yeah. that you do need some names and faces, but I, I, I truly believe that your festival is about the experience. And for Bournemouth 7s, it's all about the experience because you give someone a great time, they will go and tell 10 mates. If they have great music, great beer, cold beer, quick, nice toilets, nice showers, good food, and you ticked all those boxes. When I was there, I was like, tick, tick, tick. Main stage, or I'd probably take the main stage and put it into the main arena, which we spoke yeah. about. And there's loads of things I would, when I look at it, I I saw it and I was like, this is a really, really good festival. And anyone out there listening, I've done hundreds of festivals, been to lots and lots. And this was a really, really well-organized event. And year three, I don't think you're far off of the business model of making this a financial success, of the key to it is breaking even, everything else after that is a bonus. What's your one big lesson that you learned from the 2022 festival?
0: Don't book headline talent. Yeah. That numero uno lesson. Have you listened
1: to my episode on booking headline talent?
0: Yeah, I wish I'd listened to it this time last year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think you've got a brilliant business model. You've got a great ambassador and a shareholder on board board in, in bear. You've got something that is really special. I just really hope now, I think pressing on for year three, you can really turn it into a profitable business. I think if you want, I think looking in now, I've been in the game for two, three decades now, you need to build a real team around you, full timers, because it can go global. It can, I reckon, I believe you could do another one in Surrey or, or or maybe the Midlands or something like that. It can, it's got the legs to do it, but I think the infrastructure is not as strong as maybe the actual structure of the festival putting on the actual festival itself spending that amount of money. I'll get the infrastructure at your HQ super, super strong and maybe have a – take a little bit longer to say this is the time where we're going to break even. Yeah, yeah. I would look at that. You were the first person to buy our Event Crowd course, our online events course.
0: Was I the first? Yeah. Well, I bet I'm not the first to finish it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you, Where did you see the course?
0: And... I saw it online. Yeah, okay. I started listening to this podcast during lockdown. The first one I listened to was the one with Andrew Topham.
1: Yeah. From Boardmasters Festival. Yeah.
0: Now, I wish there'd been something like this available during lockdown before my first event. Yeah. I'm not someone that would ever have gone to uni and like studied properly, like the fact it's vocational, like the fact it's online, like the fact you could pick and choose. And had it been available for a year prior to my first event, when I was going like completely solo at this point, I wouldn't have made the mistakes that I made in that first event. Mm. Had I completely had it wrapped up going into year two, I believe it would have helped me further, but it will definitely help me going into year three. If you're new in this industry like I am, I'm still new, you should do it because I guarantee you there'll be something in that syllabus that that you haven't.
1: Well, we've brought in 40 of the world's leading experts to do this course pre-recorded from Glastonbury Festival, Boardmasters, Wimbledon Tennis, London Fashion Week. The list goes on and on and on. And that's the reason why, because I didn't like doing exams at school, hated exams. So I wanted to create something online where people can learn online, do an hour a day, and go, I'm gonna learn everything there is to know about events from marketing event, promoting an event, putting an event on, dealing event management plans, dealing security, that the whole shebang that you could put on a small event, you could put on a festival the size of yours. And I remember seeing you and you were saying to me, I'm really glad that I have got halfway through your course, I've learned so much from your course. To actually help you put on year two of your festival.
0: Again, it was a massive help. And mm. when I complete it and go into year three, like I said, it, it will help me further. Mm. So it's, if there's someone out there that's like, where wants to change in direction in their life or they want to break into the events world, yeah, they should definitely do it. Because what I love about the events world is that you can earn good money and work with some amazing people on some amazing projects mm. without going through yeah. the rigmarole of a levels and a degree as long as you turn up with a good attitude you work really hard the chances are that in a couple of years you'll have some sort of semi-senior role Mm. and if you do okay like your your name gets bounded around Mm. and you can start working on some really really Mm. cool gigs
1: ollie fair play to you mate thank you this has been a long podcast yeah and i think you and bear are a match made in heaven I really, really do. Really do. You're very honest. You've built a great team around you. What you've gone through, I've been through, so I know exactly what you've gone through. There's not many people who would know the feelings that you've gone through. You've left a job after 14 years. You jumped into putting on a a festival. The festival that I turned up a couple of months ago, I thought was outstanding. with still improvements and tweaks to be made. And for you to come here and give us an honest overview of everything that's gone on is going to teach Hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this who are about to enter the events world or festival world, and what to do and what not to do, and what they're going to come up against.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Thank you, uh, thank you for inviting us on. Yeah, I was joking the other day. You've had Harry Redknapp, Piers Morgan, uh, we've interviewed Barry, <laughs> now some bloke called Ollie from Norwich. Uh, <laughs>
1: But it's a brilliant conversation. Yeah. Oli, I really do appreciate you coming on, mate. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Here's to year three. Here's to you taking on Saudi. Here's to your your and uh, Bear's relationship and your tight-knit team. Rupert and all the boys around you there sound a wonderful bunch. And uh I think you're on to something really big here. Just keep staying consistent. A few tweaks here and there and this whole thing's going to pop. Yeah, lovely. Thanks Good so man, Oli. Cheers. Take care, mate. Bye. Cheers.